0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Mailman Podcast. Today, we have Niche, who has her hands in too many places. We are going to learn all about it. Uh, most interesting thing might be what she's doing, I think, as a full-time job, which is working at Last of Hours, which is about conserving wildlife as well as plays a little bit in the NFT space uh, in in the crypto industry. So there are two very contradictory things just getting together. We are going to hear everything about it from Niche and as well as how does she plan her days. Welcome to Milman Podcast, Niche.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. All right, to, to start with, why don't you take a couple of minutes and just tell us uh, what do you do these days? Who are you? Name as many things that that, that you're into.
1: Um, sure. So I spend the majority of my days actually writing, uh, writing code, and writing uh, words. So I, my background is in biology and psychology. Um, I went to mm-hmm. college for that, and then I started off my career as a tech recruiter. Um, you know, recruiting for engineers for startups mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley, um, and then I I fell into crypto and just became an app with the space um, in 2017 during the ICO bull run, and just. Never left, you know, and I made uh, a lot of professional decisions to work in crypto full time. Um, so right now I work on the Last of Us project as a as a co-founder, and my role there is mainly product development, so coding um, small contracts on Ethereum and um, and and writing about uh, crypto in general, like general developments in in, in the blockchain space. Um, uh, applications of the technology how, where I see it going um, and it started off as an educational content but now I'm I'm kind of inserting more of my own opinions to it rather than like make it making it textbooky and I also do a kind of mindfulness mindfulness productivity newsletter called Samati City um, and I, I started that pretty recently so it's kind of um, the, the subject matter is to balance out from the crazy you know fast-paced nature of the tech world.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so I never imagined that I would be talking about crypto on this productivity podcast. But now that we are, let me make the most use of it. Okay, so a couple of things. Let me start with a smaller question. You have a productivity newsletter about mindfulness uh, called Samadhi City. Mm. Samadhi, I could be wrong, but I think that's a Hindi or Sanskrit word. How did you come to it? Uh, what What is it all about?
1: So I'm from Thailand, um, where mm-hmm. I currently live now. And um samadhi what meditation in thai is non samadhi so it just means like sitting you know samadhi and what you're trying to get to is like a level of stillness and awareness um you know the all the good benefits that people are in the western world especially are becoming uh, more aware of now mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so i yeah so so what it is to me is just to counterbalance the fast paced nature of life in general, not just like in the blockchain space, but um, you know, in these times, like uh, uncertain times, as well as um, having so many things pulling at our attention. Um, Samadhi is something that, uh, or cultivating my Samadhi is uh, is something that keeps me grounded. Um, so that kind of plays a role in, in the productivity stuff as well.
0: Fantastic. Okay, now let's jump into the other thing. So you have w- one thing which Teaches about mindfulness and stillness, and then this other thing which is havoc, crypto. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you just balance? How do you find a balance between these two things?
1: Yeah. So um, I I feel like to a newcomer um, to the crypto space, it does seem very chaotic, and depending mm-hmm. on depending on who you find in the space, um, people often find you know mentors, influencers, mm-hmm. um, educators depending on who is your first exposure to crypto, I feel like that makes a whole lot of difference. Like it's either Mm -hmm. someone who promises that you can make a lot of money um, in a very Mm -hmm. short time without understanding what you're doing or someone who can really articulate um, why this technology is powerful and how it can help us uh, Mm -hmm. kind of reinvent some of the systems that, that are broken today and only work to serve a few people and yeah, so I, I think I was lucky that my exposure to crypto was through the more, uh, you know, impact and, and um, you know, technical and creative uh, sides of things rather than the investment side, um, which is still wow. what keeps me in the space today and which is what kind of kept me through, um, you know, the bear market. Like a lot of people, the bear market kind of flushed out a lot of people. Yeah. And um, the, but the industry made a lot of progress um, every time, like with, with every cycle, it's kind of like yes. a, a corkscrew, right? It, it, it looks like a cycle where it's going up and down and it's like, oh, it's another scam. It's another thing. And now it's another yep. bull run. But then like with every cycle, you can see that fundamentally the, the, the fundamentals are, are getting stronger and stronger. And today we're, we're already seeing um, people's lives being changed just beyond, beyond like making a lot of money fast. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're finding a lot of meaning in the work that they're do, they do, they have a lot more opportunities. So, um, yeah, so I think in terms Sorry. of, uh, productivity and stillness and how do I keep sane in this industry is just to keep focused on that.
0: Fantastic. And how did you get started in it? When was the, uh, when was the first time you heard about crypto and you, and, and it pulled you towards itself?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I used to work for uh, a company called Instacart uh, in okay. San Francisco, and they do mm-hmm. on-demand grocery delivery. And one of their investors is uh, Nabal Ravikant. Um, okay. And they used to do these like fireside chats where like they would mm-hmm. invite people from the ecosystem. And, and Naval came in. This was in like 20 early 2017. Naval came in and he... He, I mean, he—he he was just spouting Naval things, right? Like, just full of <laughs> nuggets and quotable yes. things. And among among those things was, um, he mentioned like Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and and the potential. And that was the thing that kind of planted a seed in my head of like, oh, I should kind of go and dig further into this. So that became kind of the that kind of planted my the seed of my uh, learning journey um, through crypto. And then followed by you know reading things by Andreas Antonopoulos. So all of these people are like very good educators um, when it comes yes. to spreading knowledge about what, what um, problems the blockchain, how, how the blockchain can, can solve some existing problems today. So I actually started in the industry by just writing a blog, my website. Like I, I spun up a website to, to write okay. this blog.
0: <laughs> <Okay>.
1: <laughs> and then around the same time, I moved back to Thailand. Um, again, like got a job as a as a tech recruiter and like ops, you know, people ops person in a tech company. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just, just kept on writing educational content about blockchain on the side.
0: Oh, wow, fantastic. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your this project, Last of Us. It has a little bit of role of NFT and mm. NFTs first made appearance with CryptoKitties, but then it kind of, uh, it kind of went away uh, maybe, mm. but then uh, over the last three months, four months, Everything seems to be an NFT. Every tweet, every painting, every GIF, every music video yeah. seems to be an NFT. And but you were doing it for the last two years. So tell us a little bit about this your journey and your project, Last of Ours.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's nice to see NFTs see, uh, seeing its own slowly and then all at once moment yes. happening. <laughs> um So my yeah my first exposure to NFTs was. Uh, was through CryptoKitties and one cat I think had sold at Ethereal Summit for like over hundred thousand um, oh, wow. dollars. And we were like, oh, you know, like people are willing to spend all this money on digital cats. Like what if some of that money was actually, went towards saving real world cats or real world mm-hmm. animals. So we went to this, um, the first I think ever NFT hackathon um, in Hong Kong in the, in summer 2018. and a lot of the projects that are very very like some of the top projects that you see today like axi infinity you know open sea super rare uh, neon district a lot of them were at this hackathon too um and uh and it was just really exciting because it was finally a use case of crypto that could appeal to kids and the masses and people who weren't necessarily uh you know uh like interested in the like uh like, like the use case that was native in finance because it was games, it was collectibles, it was, you know, baseball yes. cards and, mm-hmm. and animals and all these things. And so um, we ended up going to that hackathon with, with the Slash of ours project. And it was a, mm-hmm. a side project um, at the time. And all of us had another, you know, other full-time jobs and it got a, a very good response um, just because, you know, the mission is very, it's a very um, important one. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we ended up, winning and then like we, we we kind of hacked on it and continued the project part-time um, okay. for like half a year, a year uh, since then. But then we kind of just kept coming back to it. So okay. about uh, a year, a year and a half ago, we decided to switch on um, to work on NFTs full-time. But um, the thing about NFTs that I saw was that, you know, people were buying a lot of these um, game items and spending a lot mm-hmm. of money on them. But like, what is the experience beyond collecting, you know, so mm-hmm. we really wanted to, we really wanted to make the, the project like, um, we, we wanted to sustain engagement and mm-hmm. sustain engagement, we have to like build a story around these animals, right? It's like, it's good to grab headlines with a few, you know, oh, like this, this, this cat just sold for $100,000 and it like gets donated to, to, to a shelter. But like the the nature of the Last Mars platform is that when you buy this, the blockchain like kind of splits where the money goes right away and you can verify where the money goes right away. So a part of it goes to uh, us and then a part of it goes to an NGO um, that we work with. And then we we work with the NGO to provide data about the animals. So it's like real world content. So the people who are spending money on these um, collectibles are actually seeing how the money is being used and like seeing that you know, like th- these cute little characters in your, on your phones or whatever, it's it's actually got a real world counterpart. And mm-hmm. um, I think these stories and experiences, it's going to be increasingly important to, um, to convey to people as virtual experiences get more immersive, right? As we spend more time on our phones, spend more time in games and these virtual environments and games get more mm-hmm. and more realistic and immersive and more social. So it's not like a kid locked up in his basement alone, right? He's like there in a virtual world with a friend who's like half the world away. Um,
0: yes. But then yes.
1: also there's this real, this component of like, you know, there's still the real world and there's still like wildlife and there's still natural resources mm-hmm. that we have to take care of. So I think um, the project aims to like bring those two together where people can still have fun, um, mm-hmm. but they can also make an impact along the way with the, with the, and you know, the, the revenue that comes from entertainment and gaming actually gets channeled towards um, back towards real world impact.
0: Fantastic. Uh, this is, this is beautiful. Nich, so how much time do you spend in in a given week or in a given day on this project?
1: Uh, it's a full-time job. So it's, um, okay. you know, it can range from the majority of t- the time I, I, I work on the code. Um, okay. And then, when I'm not coding, I'm doing things like reach outs to potential partners, um, potential um, hires, potential investors. Um, and and I also actually, I, I try to kind of expose myself as much as I can to the, to getting like different types of experience in the crypto space. So it's, there's a bit of a head start with the two years in NFTs and like thinking about these um. Mm-hmm. The, the use cases and what how how far we can push it. But um there's it it, it it there comes a there comes a time where like you have to kind of take a step back and look at the wider movements of the industry to see where you could potentially go but where the industry mm-hmm. is not at yet. So things like how do we um, leverage DeFi applications and money like mm-hmm. this now into NFTs. And there's a few um projects like that emerging. So um, have you heard um, like the term "money Legos" being thrown around. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so it's heard, very. Yes. Compo- <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's it's a very composable thing, right? You could it's yes. the same as um, you can like npm install yes, a library, yes. and now yes. you can npm install like a lending protocol, which is like crazy, right? Because it's <laughs> yeah. it's like a, a like banking infrastructure in um, open source, and you can just tap into that liquidity, um, whether you're whether you're like. Living in San Francisco or whether you're living in like, you know, like a, a third world country, you know. Yeah. Yep, and yep. you get the, the same access. Um so yeah, so I, I look for things like that. And so I, I actually do some uh freelance smart contract mm-hmm. development work on the side uh, that exposes me to a lot of these other use cases beyond elastic bars and NFTs. Um and then that that only serves to like uh expose me to the, like new tools. Like there's so many new tools coming up all the mm-hmm. time. Yes. And, um, you know, I feel like if I, if I just like laid in bed sick one day and work off the next day and like miss one day, there's like this whole ecosystem of, of tools that, <laughs> yes. that, that have um, come up. So yeah, I, I think the freelancing world with my contract and working with other people and not, not have like a leadership role in it, but like a, mm-hmm. like a well-defined problem. To me, and oh, then like having and, and and like learning how to solve that. Because I really learned how to do code, like I, I didn't go to I, I didn't get a CS uh, degree or anything like that. So this was all kind of oh, wow. um, self-taught. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm ve- like it's it's a very exciting time to enter to to be in the space as a developer because mm-hmm. everyone's supportive and you know the tools are improving all the time. Yeah, so I do yeah, freelance smart contract development. Um, Last of ours, and I'm also in a few DAOs as well. I don't know if you want to get into that. <laughs> oh,
0: and and then you still find time to write a newsletter as well as uh, put constantly, uh, constantly on your blogs as well. Like, how, how do you do it on on the weekends at the uh, at nights? <laughs>
1: um. So I I'm actually uh, pretty sporadic with my consistency with the writing. Okay. Um, but when I do publish something, um, it's very long. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah. So I'm bad at two things. I'm bad at uh, consistency with my pub, with my publishing and mm-hmm. keeping my articles short. And that's part of the. I feel like the length of the article and the depth of research that I put into it is a part of the reason why that I'm not able to be like week after week consistent with it. But every time I publish something, like I'm 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 pretty proud of it. It's like a substantial. Piece and I can like refer to it over and over. So last, last April, I, I did like a whole thing on NFTs and now like I'm mm-hmm. seeing my, my <laughs> it's like a surge in my website yeah. uh, on, on that article. So it's oh, something, wow. writing is something that helps me, um, you know, really clarify my thoughts and, and things like that. So I actually write a lot, but I just okay. don't publish okay. Um, okay. consistently. So it, there's a big um, difference there.
0: Okay, Okay, so Nish, I can relate to you because um, a few years ago, there was a time when I was also writing a lot of things about crypto and uh, mostly it was me just learning and just uh, documenting whatever I was learning. So I was doing things and I was telling people and I uh, read somewhere that that was the best way to build an audience where you do not have to put too much effort because you're already learning. You just have to like distill it down to something like a blog post and you would do it. I did it for a few months and then I realized... Now I didn't have not too many new things to say now because you once you reach to that learning curve and then when then I started writing monthly blog posts, which was like whenever but whenever I would write it would be something new, not such mm-hmm. just because of writing every week I would just put out everything I can totally relate to you, but uh, the thing that I'm very curious about knowing that right now is how do you plan your days what does a typical day for Mitch looks like what time do you get up do you travel do you commute what time do you go to bed how does your afternoons look like your evenings look like
1: yeah so I I think the the one thing that I'm grateful for for like about lockdown is that I don't have to commute so I'm one of the one of the like the lucky portion of people <laughs> who don't have to commute um, anymore and can work remotely I Right now, I work a lot with people who are based in Europe and the US. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's not rare that my calls go until like 2 3 a.m. my time, uh, it, it, like Thai time. Okay. So, I, okay. so I start my day like late mornings because I, I end my days mm-hmm. like, um, <laughs> like 2 3 a.m. And then oh, wow. there, was a, there, there was actually a time um, in early lockdown where my work day mm-hmm. was like, was like from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. But oh, wow. anyway, so so now so now I I generally uh, tend to end my meetings um, at 2 a.m. and then I wake up uh, later, like late morning. And um, the first thing I do is is I I do meditation um, and then I journal. So I do like mm-hmm. an hour meditation and then um, like morning pages, just to capture uh, my thoughts before I plan the day. Um, mm-hmm. And then I take a look at uh, the my to do's that I have to do for the day. I, I use uh Rome Research for all this, yeah. And and I try to like batch all the checkboxy things like like meetings and you know emails and um like low energy stuff. And then I mm-hmm. I start off the day by doing creative stuff like writing and, and coding. Um, the stuff that you know four to six hours just fly by without me even noticing. <laughs> oh, wow. um, so I, I really love like the, the coding and the writing portion of it. So I I want my headspace to be you know fresh and and, and ready for that. And then um, everything else just like happens like late afternoon, and then um, around like 8, eight p.m. is where the the US wakes up. So that's mm-hmm. like my next batch of meetings. <laughs> that's my next batch of meetings. So um, yeah, I do some some DAO stuff and like my my freelancer you know. My freelance work. Um, so we do like sprint plannings and, and daily ups and stuff like that. Um, at 10, 10 11 p.m. My time. Um, yeah, so I have my creative time and then two, two work days worth of meetings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so basically you try to wrap up all of your creative work before the afternoon.
1: Right. That's right. Yeah. But then in okay. the gap, um, if I'm in the, in the gap, if I stumble upon articles or, or, newsletters or things that you know like recent events or interesting things then I capture Mm -hmm. that in like an inbox and then I read it and then I I I take notes there so it's kind of that's kind of like mm, I consider that more like research work rather than creative work because I'm not really doing Mm -hmm. a lot of uh creating I'm I'm just kind of collecting information and kind of connecting ideas rather than like making an, an article out of it so got it so that the product of this reading and, and and connecting ideas would feed into my writing for the next
0: day. Fantastic. Okay. So, um, if I'm understanding it correctly, you try to. Okay. So my first question: When you wake up, do you even check your phone for Twitter, for email, anything? Not at all.
1: No. So um, I, I I have like pre-screen like pre-screen time. So. Okay. Everything everything before my journaling is like free screen time. So I, I meditate, I like get coffee and then I, yeah, mainly just meditate and get coffee. But uh, my first like information input for the day is, is after my journaling. So that's when okay. I check emails and stuff. And I, I could show you my, let me show you my like home, my phone screen.
0: <laughs>
1: sure, sure, sure. So I'm very like selective about like the influx of information that, that comes mm-hmm. in, like, I think the one of the things that I want to convey in in my Samatia City uh newsletter is it's all about intention, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Like in an
1: age where people feel like they're so busy and their attention is scattered everywhere. Um Mm -hmm. usually usually um you can you can craft your environment such that your desired behavior is the default behavior. So that's what I try to do. Like um, I don't know if you've read this article or book called The Path of Least Resistance.
0: Uh, I heard of it, it's in my uh, wish list, but never read it.
1: It's a very, um, it's one of those things that uh, I I read and then it changed my, like I made those tweaks and then it just Uh enabled everything else. So um, the path of least resistance is is basically you want to design uh, like an environment where you don't have to like force yourself to not check your phone. You don't have to force yourself to do anything, but like your default okay. behavior in that environment is the default one. So, um, so this is my home, home screen.
0: Okay. I don't know if you can. Oh, so it's, it, I... so it's nothing. There are no apps. Yeah, it's nothing. So
1: this is like my four most used apps. They're like my four okay. used, most used apps, but like the rest okay. is nothing. Oh, wow. Right? So I, this is a very like, minimal maximalist yes, type thing yes, yes, but yes. um but it started off with just turning off all notifications so turning off all notifications worked well in that um I was pulling in information as if uh, as opposed to like it being pushed to me like push notifications right got so that so i i wanted to be like more intentional with what i was checking and when and you know i have like emergency stuff like um mm-hmm have VIPs listed on Mailman, for example, where I would see that if if um, someone sent it to me, uh, like the email, but um, mm-hmm. in general, like 99% of the time, it's not that urgent. So, I mean, I've had this for a few months now, like the setup for a few months now, and it's worked really well. Um, I don't have Facebook or Twitter on my phone. Um, and yeah, okay. I mean, like I, I find that a lot of the tools <laughs> Even though like, I, I'm, on, I'm active on Twitter almost daily, I just don't mm-hmm. have it on my phone. I'm very like, intentional about how I use Twitter. And you know, Twitter is kind of a distraction, but it's, it's like a treasure trove if you learn how to use oh, it, yes. right? Um, oh yes. So, so that's, what the, that's the sort of like mindset and workflows that I try to cultivate.
0: Oh, wow. Do I show you one thing? Your phone yeah. screen reminded me something uh, uh, I mean, mine is not as minimal as yours. But uh, uh, this is me. So again, uh, oh, one wow. second. So again, uh, there's just one screen. I like nothing else. Yeah. Uh, there's just one screen. I, I, I keep like four most used apps over here and two messaging apps over here. This is my fasting. And this is basically oh, just nice. my calendar, which helps me to stay. <laughs> so whenever I open my phone, it, I see the next important thing on my schedule, and I'm I'm I immediately, I immediately keep my phone back and get back to work. And uh, I tell you this yeah. now. Even if I even if, so with this, I know even if you have to open a different app which is not in your home screen, you have to swipe down, type the name, and this little friction actually makes all the difference because you think twice. Hey, do I really want to type this much to open an app? Otherwise, you would see Facebook twitter right on the home screen into it and then uh, but my question is do you check your phone before you start your creative zone and if you do uh, what if you see something and then uh, something keeps Like it is just me. If I check my email or Twitter before I do my creative work, that thing keeps hanging in my head, even if I'm doing creative work and I know, Hey, I just need to reply this one sentence to this guy. If I do it, I can get back to into my zone, but I really do not want to do because I'm already trying to force myself into the zone. So does it happen with you or do you just check your inbox only after the entire creative work done is done?
1: I do check my inbox, but I, uh, so I use superhuman and, okay. I use splits on superhuman. So um, I, I subscribe to a bunch of newsletters that um, are very informative and then mm-hmm. keep me, you know, up to date on what's happening, mm-hmm. but that's in like a different split than my inbox. So there's very, very few things that make it into my inbox and mm-hmm. those things are like hand-picked. <laughs> so oh, wow. um, if, it's like, if it's like an unrecognized email or something, I'll automatically either mm-hmm. unsubscribe if I don't need or anymore or just, or just archive. Um, but if it's something that I really do need to reply to, if it takes like a few seconds, I I, I will do it. Um, but generally, like I'll wake up and there's not a lot of things on my inbox because they either go onto newsletters, which is not urgent, or you know, um, and then there's things like like things related to productivity or knowledge mm-hmm. or curiosity. So it's Got those it. things aren't urgent, um, but they they help me like my emails almost act like a, another information source. Cause I subscribe to all these things. I don't read all my newsletters, but when I, but like uh, I would remember some of the headlines of these newsletters or like skim it and remember some of the mm-hmm. topics they talk about. But when it comes time, when it comes time that I'm curious about that, then I can go to my mm-hmm. inbox and, and look for that. Oh, so, wow. okay. so inbox, yeah, I, I mean, I want inbox zero like, like daily okay um there's very few emails that carry over um but that doesn't really that doesn't eat into my creative time at all
0: oh wow uh i mean you are trying to do the same thing with your inbox as well where you are going towards inbox when you want to instead of your inbox pulling towards itself
1: that's right yeah
0: uh, oh, wow. so,
1: so, so so the the red the red notification on the iphone now like when i see it it's not i know it's something that's substantial substantial okay because i know that i selected for that to appear yes. when when it's something i care about um, but most of the time it's very um it's not urgent and like i can go back to it and and people don't even notice right It might reply three hours later or five hours later because it's still within the, right. within the day or you know it's like an acceptable time absolutely to
0: absolutely Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I am kind of I I am, kind of liking this pattern where you are trying to just uh, reposition your life instead of everything pulling you towards themselves. You are being mindful about where, where you want to go. I saw it with your phone, with your inbox. Uh, this is interesting. Okay, so now my next question is something very similar because if you just go outside of this digital world, especially when you're a software engineer, especially whenever you are, when you're working in this emerging space, you get bombarded with interesting opportunities, problems to solve every single day. And before right. even before you make a decision of, of saying yes or no, somehow, as soon as you listen to the problem, you are kind of solving the problem in your head. And uh, that is, I think the most beautiful part of being a creator, a maker, a coder, and also mm-hmm. kind of a little personal hell because uh, all, 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 all it needs to trigger your mind is some interesting problem. How right. do you say yes or no to things in such a world?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I, I do have trouble saying no to things because everything is like interesting, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think of it as if an opportunity comes in and, and I can think of like, if, it, if it's going to take me like a few hours to, to complete it, but like that, those mm-hmm. few hours, you never know what's going to be, what's gonna, what that, those few hours is going to unlock. Then that's something to look at, right? But if it's an opportunity where it's like it's more transactional, and you know, like I do this one thing, and then I get this one thing in return, and then that's okay. it, then I am more likely to say no to that. Um, and okay. so, so when it comes to like job opportunities, it's um, that's a hard one mm-hmm. because there's so many interesting things happening. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it's 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 about the the challenge, like the the mission, like and, and the challenge itself, and the people that. I would get to work with, and there's so many interesting Sorry. people in the in the, the crypto space. Um, yes. And uh, and in the physical world, like I get out, I, I invited out to a lot of these things, you know, like social events and family events and 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 all these fun things. But um, I say no to a lot of those, um, not a hundred percent of the time, but 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 like ninety five percent of the time. Um, and actually, it's it's it it's funny and. I don't know if it sounds sad but it's not it doesn't seem sad to me but um when I say no to like when my friends invite me out <laughs> and I say no and I oh no I have to work like I don't think they realize that my work is okay. I, I find that more interesting than whatever it is that they're inviting me to you know so, oh, it's, not, wow. so it's not like a chore so it's not <laughs> like a it's not like a, a chore like it's a responsibility but it's like something that I I would Absolutely. enjoy right so that's so that's one of the things with productivity as well. Is like if you, if you really enjoy it, then it's not it's not something that you're trading off with with anything else. And it's the thing that you are. It helps you be a better um, I don't know friend, companion, like family member in life as well. Because when when you know how to prioritize things and like give give um, give like different things their appropriate weightings of importance, then you'll know how to. Like when, when you do spend time with other people, it's like mm-hmm. you you know how to be like present and there for them as opposed to like juggling yes. all these different things and like being on your phone and like being not present. Yeah. So so that's the that's the sort of uh Fantastic. mindset that I have about it.
0: Fantastic. Okay. So um changing our tracks from uh our work and life things, uh have you recently formed any new habit, maybe during the lockdowns?
1: Um habit during the lockdowns, uh so i i started doing daily meditation again um
0: okay
1: uh, like halfway through last year starting with half an hour and then like now i'm i'm at an hour uh each morning and one of the so that's the habit but it's also like about how i view meditation in general is like it's decoupled from religion for me now like growing up meditation was always uh, heavily like tightly coupled with with Mm -hmm. buddhism but um the new Mm -hmm. habit was was just to you know, like meditate, but kind of carve my own path, um, through it and, mm-hmm. you know, reflect on my journey with others who are, who are on the same journey and like doing meditation. So one of the, I don't know if you would call it a habit, but, um, I, I surround myself with, with a lot of people who hold me accountable for things. So I would do, oh, okay. so weekly I would have like weekly, whatever chats about meditation, weekly group meditation, weekly, um, writing reviews. Um, I joined, I joined, uh, so uh, do you know the company on deck?
0: Yes. I do. Yeah.
1: So I joined, I joined, um, on decks writing, uh, fellowship and oh, wow. that, that helped me cultivate a habit of writing and then also publishing more consistently. So actually that was where on deck was where Simati city, um, was born. Cause I was like, I'm already nice. writing about crypto. Um, I don't want to like. Bring crypto into this <laughs> other writing thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just going to write about like mindfulness and productivity. So one of the things that I've um, one of the habits I got from that was helping edit other people's writing, because oh, um, okay. because doing that you you develop a more critical eye for when you're reading stuff and also for your own writing. Um, so that's I a, see. like one of the habits.
0: Oh, I see. And uh, um... Uh, maybe I misheard. So you mentioned something that being accountable to somebody, maybe a group was really helpful in uh, fueling this, forming this ha- habit. Was it?
1: Yeah. So accountability okay. groups, okay. where all of you all guys right. are, you, you have like a, a goal and then you, you daily or weekly, you hold each other. Got that
0: goal. Got it. Now let me flip the question. Uh, suppose if you have to someday just waste 15, 20 minutes. Maybe you have, you are waiting for something, something just postponed, last minute changes. You just have to waste 15, 20 minutes. Uh, Do you have any go-to websites or places or any apps that you use to just kill time?
1: To kill time? Uh, Well, when it comes to, I I have my, I save uh, like articles, interesting articles on Instapaper. So maybe I'll look through that. And um, maybe some of my... Like, my inbox is very interesting because I subscribe to, like, okay. good, good writing and stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. and, uh, the tools that has really changed my life, actually, is the past years. There's, you know, like, I, um, it was very touch and go at the beginning because it, it's very feature-rich. So, um, I'm only just, I feel like, touching the surface of how information could be organized to be more um, based on like attribution and association mm-hmm. rather than hierarchy. Um, Ooh, okay. So I've built up a nice um, kind of database of information at this point from <laughs> for my meetings. Okay. And it's always interesting to go back to my notes and make connections. So that's that I find that to be very fun either. It sounds like super nerdy. but
0: <laughs> <laughs> It is super nerdy. And do you use any tool or like Rome research or uh, is it something that you do manually? Yeah, it's on room. Oh, it's on room. Oh, wow. So yeah. even 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 the activities that you use to kill time is kind of productive. It, yeah. Well, I, I
1: would
0: say creative rather
1: than uh, productive.
0: Yeah, creative. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean productive in a sense that uh, um, it it is kind of compounding over time so that the next time yeah. you g- get to it, uh, it's really quick. Okay. So we are towards the end of our interview, uh, Niche, and this is where I ask our uh, where I ask all our guests this question um this is a magical question suppose just magically if you would get one hour additional to your existing 24 hours every single day for the rest of your life how would you spend it
1: i would take a walk in nature
0: oh wow <laughs> yeah i would
1: i would go out for a walk like an hour walk um oh, beautiful. with my dog
0: <laughs> beautiful beautiful uh do you still take walks or uh, you'll start taking walks then
1: I, I do still take walks, so I, I live in this uh, kind of a remote part of uh, mm-hmm. yeah, at the moment where it's like a golf course. Um, okay. So I can just do like 18 holes walking, 18 holes of the golf course, which is really nice. So um, some, t- some days I don't get okay. the opportunity to do that, but I'm sure if I get an extra hour, I'll find... Time for Fantastic! My walk.
0: F- <laughs> Fantastic! This is incredible, Niche. Thank you so much for taking out time. If anybody wants to follow along your journey, wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Feel free to plug anything: social media, your LinkedIn, your email, your website, anything.
1: Um, yeah. So my 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 Twitter is uh, at Um It's where I do my I don't know. You'll see a lot of crypto stuff, but a lot of like mindfulness stuff too. <laughs> okay. Um And my my writing is on nature9k.com um, same spelling. Um, my articles on mindfulness is uh, samati.city, so that's the that's just the URL samati.city. Yeah, and yeah, feel free to reach out on any of those. And and last of ours, uh, so we're actually launching last of ours re- rebranding it as Spirit Creatures. So that project is on okay. spiritcreatures.io.
0: Fantastic, um, listeners. All of these links would be in the show notes uh, show notes of the episode, and. If you are a reader of the blog post or the email newsletter, you will directly see links over there. Uh, Niche, thank you so much for taking our time. It was a fantastic conversation.
1: Of course. that That was awesome.